How many of you uh, know what a catalyst is? Let me see your hand. There's, it's not even half, okay. Uh, you wouldn't be here without a catalyst or lots of catalysts. A catalyst in chemistry is a compound that helps a, a, a reaction happen. Now, it, it, it isn't part of the reaction, but it is a catalyst. It, it facilitates, it enables. So if you don't have that catalyst there, the reaction may go at one mile an hour. But if you have the catalyst there, it'll go at 100 miles an hour. Chemical reactions uh, use catalysts in a lot of ways. Now, one of the ways we may be familiar with it is what is known as a catalytic converter in your car. We're hearing more about them now because they're being stolen. And you know why they're being stolen? Because the catalyst in the catalytic converter is a precious metal. There are two different precious metals. And they're valuable now more than before. Now, the catalyst, what happens is, if you lived 50 years ago in the L.A. basin, smog was a big thing. We couldn't see the mountains many days. But now they're clear. A lot of that is due to catalytic converters in automobiles because the catalyst in that little box there, it's able to uh, make a chemical reaction happen that takes carbon monoxide and some other dangerous toxics out of the atmosphere. And that's why we have a better atmosphere today. Well, we also are healthy because we eat food. And uh, when we take that hamburger, it's not part of us, but it becomes part of us. And it becomes part of us through our digestive system because of some catalysts that we know as enzymes. And those enzymes facilitate the body to break down that uh, food that we eat. I would say that one of the most important catalysts, and in a broader sense of the word, in our universe is chlorophyll in green plants. Every green plant is green because of chlorophyll. And that chlorophyll is so important as a catalyst because what happens is, if you look at this plant, it's taking in carbon dioxide over there on the uh, left. I can't see it here and I can't see it there. And, and it's taking in that carbon dioxide. It's combining it with water. It takes the carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, takes the water through its roots. And then in the presence of chlorophyll and light from the sun, it transforms that into glucose, the beginning of all the food that we eat. So everything that we eat depends on green plants, with a few exceptions, depends on green plants doing this work. And the catalyst that's at work there is the chlorophyll. This is a, a simple uh, chemical reaction that shows this. The uh, next slide shows that uh, the carbon dioxide and, oh, by the way, I should say, what we do is we take oxygen out of the atmosphere and we breathe out carbon dioxide. The plant takes carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and it breathes out oxygen. So we're in a wonderful harmonious relationship because of that process. So there you have uh, the uh, carbon dioxide 
and the water in the presence of light energy, there has to be sunlight and chlorophyll catalyzing that into uh, sugars which we use to make all of our foods and, uh, and uh, oxygen which helps us with our breathing thanks to plants. Now afterwards I'm gonna give a quiz. <laughs> now just keep that in your mind. Think of the importance of catalysts in the converter, in the food we eat, the enzymes, and in the process of photosynthesis, which is how our foods are made by green plants. Keep that in your mind as we go to our Bible text for today. This is in a letter from Paul that he wrote to the Ephesian church when he was in prison and he couldn't do anything for them, but he prayed for them. And he's going to tell us what he prayed for them. This is really full of all kinds of good things. Verse 15, Ephesians 1. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. Now, I considered our worship series to be ended last week, but as I got into this text, I realized it's kind of the next chapter of our worship series. So let's remind ourselves of that series where we are created for worship. And we've looked at worship from a number of angles to show how we have been created for this very fact, worshiping God. So I'm going to read the scripture again and take it apart piece by piece and uh, see what we can learn from it. Going back to verse 15. Look at this again. Here's what Paul says. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I knew not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. There are four words there. Faith, love, thanks, and prayers. He knows this about the Ephesians that these four words characterize their life in Jesus. And that is a summary of worship, isn't it? It is like, it, it is that which enables our worship to happen. Our faith, our love, as we worship with others together, our prayers and our thanks. That is the act of worship. Now let's keep that in mind because we're gonna come back to our chemistry and cat, cat and uh, the uh, catalysis. Yeah, but catalysis is the process. I'm, try I'm trying to get my mind out of the laboratory. <laughs> the catalyst. And, uh, and now let's look at um, verse 17. Now notice the change here. He moves from talking about those 
um, experiential, feely things that have to do with worship. And he moves into the mind. Notice this. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know. And then he goes on to say what you may know as a result of this. But I just wanted you to notice five different words for the mental activity that Paul is asking God to bring into their being, to add to their worship a dimension of rationality with a redeemed mind, thoughts that will enable us to live out our worship. That's what he's praying for the Ephesians. Uh, the wisdom, revelation, knowledge, enlightenment, and knowledge again. The word knowledge is used twice there, but the Greek, two different words. That's all I can tell you. The Greek has a lot of words. And so it's knowledge one and knowledge two. So that's five different mental processes that Paul is praying for them. He's not, he, he, he's not satisfied that they have the experience of worship. He, he's calling upon the Lord to help them live out this worship by thoughtful process of a redeemed mind. That's what I'd like to encourage you to think about today. Let's go back to the, uh, the, the, the catalysts that facilitate work, uh, facilitate a reaction in the case of uh, photosynthesis. Remember, it was carbon dioxide plus water in the presence of light and chlorophyll produces glucose and oxygen. Who was that that just passed the test? All right. All right. But here, let's look at this spiritual reaction, which has the same, same pattern to it. The reaction is between God and you. And that process of bringing you into a relationship with God is a, a, a reaction that has a really powerful effect. And there are some, a catalyst that's, first of all, there's the energy source of worship, which I put, that would be the equivalent of, of light in the photosynthesis. And then your thought is a catalyst like chlorophyll that brings it into touch with reality and makes it work. That is a parallel process in which God provides catalysts to enable us to come closer to himself. The catalyst of worship and the catalyst of reflection upon that worship with our minds. I mentioned there are five different words for mental processes here and I'm not going to try to define what each one means but it is interesting that we as humans our minds work in different, in different realms, and uh, you can see the different functions of a person's mind here, and you can see he's confused and has no facial expression, but that gets across the idea. Our minds accomplish a number of things, and they're all involved in 
adding to our worship experience if we allow the Lord to lead us in this direction. These mental activities are all part of what God wants us to engage in our lives as we grow. And, uh, and yet, it's not just the mind. You notice in verse 17, he talks about the spirit of wisdom. And in verse 18, he talks about the eyes of your heart being enlightened. So it is the mind touched by the spirit, the, the mind triggered by the worship experience. But now the mind can do some things that it couldn't do before. Let's continue with Paul in verse 18. Here's what he's praying for them, that they will know, verse 18 in the second half, what is the hope to which he has called you? That's number one. Number two, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? Number three, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power? I want you to catch the wonder of this. He is saying that worship, the combination of faith and love and thanksgiving and prayer that makes up our worship, that there's power and there's energy there. But in order to channel that energy and to make it effective, we need the catalyst of our mind in its various activities. And when we do put this combination together, Here's what happens. We have hope, the hope to which he has called you. Then we have the richest of his glorious inheritance among you. I don't know whether you can see that. It's kind of small. And then we have the, the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe. We can experience all of these things. The, the, the hope to which he has called us, the riches of glorious inheritance and the greatness of his power. It's all related to us, you see. Each phrase has a for us or for the saints. So God becomes uh, digestible to us so that he becomes involved, part of our lives. A catalyst speeds up the reaction. It doesn't cause the reaction. Uh, you, the chlorophyll doesn't cause the reaction. It's the CO2 and the, and the water and then the sunlight. But the chlorophyll has to be there because it speeds up the reaction. And your mind cannot come up with spiritual realities by itself. But your mind focused on God in all of these dimensions can magnify and intensify the spiritual reaction that happens because of worship. The worship is an energy source, but fleshing that out in our lives comes through a God-inspired, redeemed mind. Some people experience true worship but they don't engage their minds creatively in applying the spiritual energy they've received into their everyday lives. They have a spiritual high, 
But the energy is wasted because they haven't figured out how to engage what they've experienced in worship into their lives. That's a process of thought that is inspired by and controlled by God. I'd like to change the metaphor for a moment to March Madness. I see a few of you are aware of what that is. So they're, by a process, a very complicated process, ultimately the 64, it's a little different than that, but the 64 best college teams in the country in men's basketball are identified, and then they beat each other's heads in <laughs> for two weeks, and whoever remains standing gets to hold the trophy. That's what March Madness is all about. So I had three horses in this game, uh, USC and UCLA, because they're close to us here, and my alma mater, Rutgers. And of course, somebody already informed me on the way in that Rutgers went out in the first round, even before the first round. And, uh, but it was in triple overtime to Notre Dame, and it's no shame, okay? And then USC went down in the first round. But UCLA has gone through two rounds. And, uh, and, and one of the reasons they've gone through it is because they have chemistry. Have you, you've heard that about basketball teams, right? I think you've heard that about love too, right? If you fall in love with someone, you have chemistry. You need a catalyst to help you put it together, but that's another story. But, but, but the chemistry of a basketball team happens when things are working right. You have all of these individually skilled people, like the Lakers right now, who don't have chemistry. And sometimes you have a person who's a catalyst. And I think UCLA has Tiger Campbell, who seems to be a catalyst for that team. But I'd like to mention Jules Bernard in a game the other day. He's a very, very talented guy who's come to UCLA with all kinds of promise. And it, it, it just has never quite emerged fully. Um, and then the other day, they, they were losing to Arizona. And at a certain point, um, the coach got them. And you, you could see a difference because after that, they were beginning to pick up steam because they were playing more as a team. There was more passing going on, okay? But at a particular point, Jules Bernard, who was feeling hot, and it was about time, great, he was feeling hot, he shot too early an ill-advised shot, which, and I'll tell you, the next time play stopped, he was out. The coach pulled him right out. And one of the commentators said, uh, he, he, he was feeling it, but the coach wasn't feeling it because the coach had just talked him into more passing, more passing, and here was hot shot taking a hot shot. And the commentator said, he's got to get his head into the game. Well, I'm not sure that's what the coach meant, but it really stuck with me. Is the guy has got all the passion, he's got all the fire, but He's got to get his head into the game. And his letter, in the Ephesian letter, what Paul is saying, I know you've got, you've got that connection, the, the source of energy, the faith, the love, the 
thanksgiving, the prayers. I know you've got all that. Now I want you to get your head into the game. And he uses five words to describe that. He doesn't say, I want you to have more faith. He said, because, you know, if you have faith as much as a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. But what he says is, I want you to add your head to your heart. When you add, when you personally add the practical creativity of your mind to the spiritual renewal within you, the life that God intends for you will be lived out to the fullest. Look at that photosynthesis reaction again. The CO2, which is not a friend to us, and water, which it, we need water, but these two things are magically, almost magically changed into things that we can use to eat and to breathe because of the process of a catalyst work that is given by God, miraculous. We don't know how chlorophyll works, but this catalyst makes it happen. And for you and me, if we have the wow of worship and we combine it with the how of a redeemed mind. Wow and pow. That's pretty powerful. Lord, help us to think about this. Help us to consider how we can put the spiritual energy that you've given to us. Even, even sometimes it, it may not seem much. But we've seen what you can do in scripture and other people's lives. And Lord, we pray that we may use our redeemed minds to maximize what you've invested in us to the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We meet in Altadena every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific, both in the sanctuary and on YouTube. Most other events will be starting up soon, but if you need prayer now, please reach out to us at altabapprayer at aol.com. And again, as always, we pray God's blessings on you this week.